0: Just before we get on with the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to the Palestine Expo organized by the Friends of Al-Aqsa. This is an annual event that's taking place this year on the 6th and 7th of July at the Olympia in London. Um, The Muslim Vibe is going to be there. We're going to be exhibiting. I'm also going to be speaking on a panel about the media. Um, We would love for you all to be there. Uh, We have a discount code available for Muslim Vibe readers and listeners to the podcast. I'm going to put the discount code and the link in the description of this episode Um, be sure to check it out and we hope to see you there
1: Uh, Stressing about this essay which was about his alphobia actually Um, you know like proper anxious you know heart power you know terrible terrible in sweats and everything good friend called Du'a Hopefully she'll listen to this. So shout out to Dua. Um and she she's very knowledgeable. like, you know, she has the and like she's very kind, very kind heart um Muslim from Saudi, PhD. And uh she came back um to the this ICT cluster, which is a very dark place to study. This is about two o'clock in the morning and uh you know, everyone's doing their all-nighters and, and that sort of thing. And she comes back with this food. And um she says to me, uh, Ben, you're you're stressing why? I tell her, He's like, no no no, you're not stressing because of that. You're stressing because of a deeper thing. And I said, What do you mean? I'm stressing about this essay, like, No no no, you're stressing because you accept the truth. I was like, this came out of nowhere. I mean I mean I've known this girl at this point for two weeks and you know, we'd had, you know, conversations. And you know, for two weeks. Yeah, no at this point. Yeah, I know, I know, I Well, yeah. My life. Wow. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is is you know like she, it's like she knew something wasn't I mean obviously I'd say it was the essay but yeah actually looking back like she was right she said you want to accept Islam in your life don't you gets a bit deep um and I was like well yeah but I'm not ready for that and she said no you are do you accept the prophet do you accept this and yeah I do well let's go and do it then so I get my coat and go outside um opposite a pub which was quite interesting. At 2 a.m. At 2 a.m. in the morning and about a Wednesday, all these, um, let's say, in- intoxicated individuals <laughs> walking past, you know, you know, a white guy and a um, girl wearing a hijab started speaking Arabic at me. I mean, imagine. Um, and, you know, I repeated those um, magical words. And after she said, a tear literally fell from her cheek, for- and she
0: says, congratulations, you're a Muslim. assalamu Alaikum and welcome to another TMB podcast brought to you by The Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host, Salim Qasim. And this week I'm joined by a special guest by the name of Ben. Um, the first time I met Ben was earlier this year um, he was interviewing me actually for a a university dissertation that he was doing about football and um, religion. Uh, I think broadly was the topic. Uh, He was not a Muslim when he interviewed me and since then he has converted to Islam. Um, And I think a large part of that funnily enough is down to Muhammad Salah um you'll hear more i guess from him uh in depth about about how that all came to be but i i basically met him for for, for lunch today um just to kind of catch up post-conversion we're like two weeks into him um having converted to islam and, and i thought it'd just be interesting to kind of capture a little bit of his his uh his journey um and yeah, that that's pretty much it. Um so yeah, by the way, f- for those who listened to last week's podcast, um Hussam is abroad, which is why he's not co presenting this one with me. Um but we do intend to have him back if you if you did enjoy his his presence on the podcast. If not, then uh never mind, I- enjoy this one on one uh conversation that I have with Ben. So salam Alaikum Ben. Uh, thank you very much for, for joining me on the podcast This is actually quite interesting because the last time we were in this office um, You were interviewing me for a university project Yeah And you also weren't Muslim
1: Yeah, things have changed since then, <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> quite, quite a lot has changed in, in the last, uh, it's been a couple of months I think
1: Yeah, I think um, back end of February,
0: must be March. Is that when we met? And Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah Wow, so... Um, I guess, uh, as I said, like, this is something that we haven't really done, but we were, we were meeting today, so I thought we'd just have a conversation and, and, yeah. and see how it kind of plays out. I'm curious to know um, your, your journey, like what mm-hmm. happened, what, ha- how did this all transpire? Because you just sent me a message one day saying, do you want to know what I've done? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> and you said, so I'm, I'm, I'm Muslim. And I, I didn't even know how to react. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> great um but yeah i I guess feel free to start from the beginning
1: well it's an epic tale it's an epic journey i'm
0: I'm sure it is
1: um well well when i was growing up like you know um typical non-muslim white british sort of home um i couldn't tell by your accent really (laughs) (laughs) um like in, in nottingham never really had any interaction with like Muslims, probably had preconceptions as like what most people have at the time. And um, I was actually quite uh, an angry individual, actually. Um, I'm not going to lie. And I ended up going to college, and I got introduced to someone called Osman, and he got me into well, he got me interested in the um, Palestine-Israeli conflict. So I started learning more a little bit about that. And uh, I thought, oh, yeah, this is, this is really interesting, you know, so um, researching that. Um, and I sort of like realized there was a lot of uh, the Muslim community was sort of behind, you know, like the pro-Palestinian thing. So obviously, I, I started to meet a lot of people. And amazingly, I met a girl at a shisha bar. And uh, she- As you do. As you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and- um she was uh, she was a Muslim, and I got talking to her. Uh, she said she was on a sort of, like, journey. Um, and I, I just started knocking around with her. Eventually, she actually became my girlfriend, funnily enough. And I ended up being her parents. And I just started... I was introduced to this, like, whole new world of, like, Islam. Like, all these preconceptions that I had about, you know, like, the usual suspects, like, terrorism, like, Barbara, like, all this, which is completely and utterly false and I started gaining yeah I started having more friends again I started talking to people more and and stupidly enough I actually applied um, for Middle Eastern studies which I've just finished now actually um, because of this girl. So she actually uh, had very that good. much of an influence very, on very me. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I, I, know, I know people have made bad decisions over women before, but picking a university, <laughs> a three year university degree is quite something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, I mean, I'll just tell you the story. Like when I told my tutor, cause originally I was gonna do um, international relations to all of a sudden doing Middle Eastern studies. Ben, what are you doing? What you did? And my granddad was like Ben. You need to like write an email to that admin officer and say you made a mistake. And I was like, no, like you know, um, YOLO, if you like, you know. I, this is why I think this is part of the journey. Like I, I feel that this is um, this this is part of like God's plan, to be honest. So yeah, I went to. I had to become an expert on um, why I've always wanted to do Middle Eastern studies within uh, the space of two weeks because I had an interview, and um, I went with my granddad.
0: Um, You couldn't have just said it was because of a girl. They wouldn't have accepted that, right? You see, I had to
1: like, oh yeah, my favourite historians like uh, Albert Hurani and oh, I love the work of Edward Said (laughs) and that sort of stuff. I think if I'd have said it it was because of a girl, they probably would have sent me out the door to be honest. But like I say, like, I think think it it was all part of this plan, which is why I'm probably here actually. Um, But it it was good. Like, um, again... There was a lot about the israel um, palestinian conflict on there, so you know, I was like, okay, see what what happens. Amazingly, I got an offer. So then I suddenly wanted to learn Arabic, so I started learning Arabic with a Jordanian uh, teacher. That was quite interesting. And all of a sudden, I started getting like loads of copies of Quran. Like everyone would always give me a copy of the Quran. Um, so now I've got about five at home. And um, and then I eventually like I, I you know I sort of. Again, like most, well, all my friends are sort of like non-Muslim, um, sort of sticky end uh, to the girlfriend situation. And I sort of, you know, maybe lost track a little bit. I, I, I don't know. But when I, when I came to Leeds, um, you know, obviously I was introduced to a lot of people, a lot of Arabs. Leeds where you went to
0: university? Yeah, the University
1: yeah. of Leeds, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, again, like I just started talking to people um, again and sort of, told them the story of why i'm here everyone looked at me gone out sort of thing and um but first year was sort of a time for um drunkenness i'd say like nothing really spiritual happened in first year but second year i uh met a revert and it was the first time i ever met a revert before a convert or however you want to put it and, um, he was doing the same module as me, um, Arabic, uh, media, and I worked really hard, so he didn't come to any classes. So I ended up like teaching him. So that's how me and him, if he's listening to this, he'd probably say that's wrong, but that's my opinion <laughs> on the thing. But yeah, uh, um, and yeah, we started meeting up for revision sort of classes and that sort of thing. And he told me he was, he was, he was a Muslim. I had no idea, you know, just imagine this guy, he wears... A shirt and tie. Um, he doesn't have a beard. Um, he's he's so posh, but yet he, he's a Muslim. Like you know, I'd never it sort of like completely blew my mind. And he's you know he's sort of telling me about his journey, um, which really sort of intrigued me. Um, and you know we were still good friends uh, now. Again, this year, final year, done quite a few modules together. And you know, again, like you know, I start you know, talking to people, especially after I did a a presentation on the Palestine uh, conflict, which kind of went down really well, and I suddenly got introduced to many more people. So, you know, sort of like networking, that sort of thing. Um, Final year came, um, probably the worst year of my life, Uh, but what really kept me going, I'd say, was my project, which is how I came to get to know you, to be honest. about uh, Muhammad Salah, a gift from Allah, you know, <laughs> the idea of him trying to create, uh, creating a, a counter-narrative to Islamophobia in like the political and media spheres and whatever. And I did a, um, um, a lot, you know, a lot of research, I worked really hard, like it became a sort of passion to the extent now I've got a Muhammad Salah Egyptian shirt.
0: Oh, very I, nice.
1: I I can't get a Liverpool one because I'm from Nottingham, and that'd
0: be <laughs> a sacrilege. But you can; it's fine. I, I, I think <laughs> they're all. Forgiving.
1: But um, like from there, like it was, you know, learning about what people have said about what Mohamed Salah has done. You know, especially for the Liverpool community, I went to interview um a prominent Imam, at Liverpool Mustard there. You know, speaking to some of his uh you know congregation, whatever, uh, saying like, oh yeah, like I feel that I can go to matches. I feel that he's, um. Um, shown a new version of Islam. And I, you know, I know that's something that me and you spoke about uh, before. And I really, really, I don't know why I, I started to romanticize this, this thing of like Muhammad Salah, like what what he's doing is, is incredible when, you know, some of the interviews that he's done, um, talking about his faith, because um, I met a couple of Egyptians who, who I'll tell you a quick story about this Egyptian that I uh, met, and he he said that his that they love Mohammed Salah so much that when he won the PFA Player of the Year, yeah, they were out in the streets, they were out <laughs> so in the celebrating. streets, yeah, and to the extent where you mean in Egypt, in Egypt, and and the the Egyptian. Um, community in Leeds like they were all on the street you know with their flags and like <laughs> you can just imagine the reaction when he scored that penalty to send Egypt to the to the World Cup since yeah. 1990
0: Biff. that that was I think goosebumps for, for even non-Egyptians non muslims just <laughs> yeah. like how momentous it was exactly exactly so I think it's very interesting. I mean, just to, I guess, fill in some of the gaps in in our relationship, um, our very short relationship. (laughs) But you contacted me earlier this year um, about this project that you were doing. And whenever I get contacted by anyone, I don't really discriminate or ask the question, are you Muslim or anything like that? But what I found very interesting is that you were looking specifically at the impact that um, football has had or has and, and the experience of muslims within that space and we got talking and i told you about you know when i went over to um and i guess for, for people that obviously weren't privy to that conversation which is nobody <laughs> might as well share the story again yeah. um i went over to rome for the semi-finals of the uh champions league to watch liverpool play roma last year um and what was crazy is that a few minutes before kickoff and I mentioned this, I wrote an article about this on the Muslim Vibe recently, yeah, and I think yeah. I, I referred back to this story. Um, but we had to pray like 20 minutes before kickoff and we had no time to get out of the stadium. So we just played like in, you know, beyond the turnstiles, but before you get to your seat in like a little corner. And I was a bit anxious. So two of us and we basically took turns to pray. One was kind of like keep, keeping guard almost, um, while the other was praying. Um, And what I found crazy was the response of Liverpool fans who were probably partially drunk, which would potentially at times make the situation worse, but for some reason it it, it didn't. They were chanting they were applauding us and chanting Mo Salah, Mo Salah, whilst kinda pointing at us. It's beautiful. And and for me that was that was fascinating. Especially, you know, with, with the Muslim vibe, we operate in this space of like combating narratives and Islamophobia and and creating, you know, trying to understand uh, Western Muslim identity and this dude who doesn't say much about religion, who isn't a political commentator, just doing his job very well, um, has had a profound impact on the way that Liverpool fans and I think broader Muslim, broader football fans, but let's, let's specifically look at Liverpool, how they perceive Muslims.
1: Yeah I mean there's that new uh, study that's just come out literally just before I published my <laughs> dissertation as well. Did you but, have to amend your dissertation as well? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah like like as you say like um, I mean I'm a massive football fan, um, I've been watching football I'm 22 now 15 years. Yeah I was um, gonna
0: ask what what brought you around to study because obviously you're doing Middle Eastern studies and, and you have a passion in football but what was it that made you think to bring those two elements together?
1: I'm going to get um, one song really did it for me I'll Be Muslim too.
0: if he's good enough for you he's good he enough yeah yeah sitting yeah, in yeah. a mask is
1: where I want to be. now when I first um,
0: so you took that song to heart then yeah like literally because you had now become a Muslim
1: well <laughs> I mean <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> I mean, uh, but like when I first heard that song, when I was a, a non-Muslim, you know, I thought, yeah, this is like really powerful stuff. And one of my tutors was like, you know, this is something that that could be a dissertation itself. But uh, I wasn't so sure. And before I was sort of like dabbling with, you know, football integration. But then, you know, what does integration mean? And then, it just suddenly occurred to me that in a, in my past life, I had a lot of misconceptions of Muslims, and a lot of my friends have a lot of misconceptions about Muslims. And like gaining more knowledge, luckily you know going to university, I did, and you know know many Muslim friends, um, you know I did learn a lot, um, and like seeing that this player, I mean when we think of Liverpool, I mean what do we think of some like what what's their, uh, you know, the the stereotype for me of a, of a Liverpool fan is you know maybe a bit. Uh, can we say racist like it's a typical like football fan you can maybe. say what you want it's your opinion. yeah like it's my opinion <laughs> I I mean I wouldn't say I wouldn't associate really football and religion and like racism you know, but
0: I, of... I think I mean to expand on that there was again I mentioned it in my article which I'll probably put the link in the description to this for people that are, are wondering but I think in, in 2016 or 2015 there were two Liverpool fans yeah. that prayed in the stadium and 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 a non-Muslim fan tweeted a, tweeted a picture of it saying this was disgraceful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's always the association that I've had with football. Whenever I've been to football matches and had to pray, um, there's always been this in the back of my head that people are not happy about this. Yeah. Like this isn't tolerated, this isn't acceptable behavior, although there's nothing wrong with it, but the environment doesn't facilitate for me exactly. to be able to just practice my faith, which is kind of like an inconvenient reality or truth that we've just come to accept as Muslims who are football fans and who are, you know, even exactly. things like going to Thorpe Park and, and us praying on the grass there. I remember, you know, growing up as uh, like my family would go quite often to like Thorpe Park, Chesington, Alton Towers, and having to pray in public, like we would do it. It was t- not, no one threw anything at us or said anything, but you could see the looks. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. quite like, why, why are you guys doing this? Like, you know, it, you, you get that uncomfortable feeling, which is unfortunate um so sorry back back to, to what you were saying I just thought no, I'd, I'd yeah, jump I, in I, I
1: can I completely agree and and you know now we have a player who looks Muslim beard hair his name is Mohammed he's from the Arab world the Middle East however you want to call it like he is your stereotypical uh, Muslim, that like what is portrayed in the media and the way how what I am in, in the research that I did, the way how the media portrays Muslims is that that is, you know, th- this um, caricature image is something to be afraid of. But now, you know, Muhammad Salah. I mean, how many goals did he score in his first season?
0: He scored, I think, one hundred and one in seventy-one it's games. Something like that.
1: It is a record, <laughs> and nobody had any. Idea. I mean, it was out of the blue, wasn't it?
0: Like, he's got. He's almost become like the Liverpool Roy of the Rovers type. Exactly.
1: exactly. And he's,
0: he just scores goals for fun, even though he didn't have a great season. I, I, I say that he was top goal scorer in the in the league. Like twenty-two.
1: He won. He scored the penalty of the Champions League. Yeah. Player. Come I, I, on. <laughs> not a good season. No, but, but but yeah, his yeah, 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 yeah,
0: Ridiculously yeah. high standards he set the first year but when you look back seven you know as I said a hundred I think it's it 70 sorry 70 goals in a hundred games not the other way around roughly um and it, he's on it, the wing it, it, yeah, it's yeah he's running down the wing so <laughs> I'm not gonna start <laughs> singing most of our songs. but it's it's remarkable it, it really is and, and I think I, I mean what, what do you think about the the, the notion of this you know, and, and this is when I wrote my article someone someone uh, commented saying something about this that if he were to play bad, mm. if he were to suddenly drop off, does that mean that suddenly Islamophobia would go up? Like the Stanford uh, University report talked about hate crimes going down in Liverpool, um, and incidents of Islamophobia and things like that have, have significantly dropped, and even hateful tweets by or, or islamophobic tweets by liverpool fans i think have been halved, if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah um some staggering numbers but is th- the fact that mo Salah is just your stereotypical arab what the media makes a muslim out to be is that is that the reason why he's been successful does that make sense and like if 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 tomorrow he plays badly all of a sudden, everyone's going to stop. Um, do you know what I mean? Islamophobia yeah, is going to yeah, go back up.
1: Yeah. I, I can.
0: And and sorry. And the, the, the follow on from that is: Is it fair that we need for people to do well at their day job, that's loved by and watched by millions around the world, for us to be normalised?
1: I mean, obviously, I think the situation um, that we find ourselves in is, is, you know, that that is that is the reality. Uh, But the thing is with Mohamed Salah regardless if he'd played rubbish or what like the fact is he he hasn't we're having a conversation now that I don't think has been had before
0: really You mean a a wider conversation A wider
1: conversation about football you know I mean I've always like looked at football as a bit of a deeper meaning like how can like I cry like grown men cry over their team you know scoring even my granddad you know cries when Walsall score whatever like you know, the, the, the amount of emotion that it evokes is just incredible. And, like, if we apply that to Mohammed Salah, like, again, to me, it's irrelevant. The, the points that, you know, uh, whoever commented saying that if he'd have played bad, like, tomorrow, whatever, like, I, I don't, I think that's irrelevant because he has what he's done over the last two years incredible. He was named um, in the Time Magazine Top 100 Influential People. Like, he's done that now. He's yeah. done that. Um, I mean, how many people have you seen? You know, people of all ethnicities, religions, whatever, with Salah on the back. You know, they're seeing that this normalisation of like um, Islamicness, uh, Muslimness, with the prostration and that, and him being a good person and everything has has been done. I think his legacy is cemented. Really, I mean, obviously, I think we should have this uh, conversation in the next fifteen years or so. But it has got the ball rolling on realising, well, you know there could be um you know uh, an inspirational story in the next couple of years that you know a young muslim player could play play for england his his um um role model was Mohammed salah but it's not just that like you know a young non-muslim oh my role model is muhammad salah like you know and realizing that um that yeah like th- things are happening i think if he plays bad in the next couple of years i don't think it really matters like what's ultimately happened he's he's you're won the sure, championship you're sure you won't leave the
0: faith i'm not going to leave the faith <laughs> if he has a bad season if he goes
1: to everton or something maybe but but the fact so, is he, he 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 to me he showed me something um that really like you know from my experience like probably maybe i was a bit Islamophobic at one point seeing a muslim like him okay yeah that let's look more let's have a deeper conversation I think yeah I, I just I just I just think it's brilliant to be honest I think it's brilliant what, what he's achieved and like, the so, fact is we're having this conversation now is is, is,
0: is, is brilliant I think it is, is very surreal and like as I said p- people I feel sometimes want to underplay um, the impact that that he's had at Liverpool um, and just generally in football and as you said like the, you know this time 100 um, b- being on that on that list is, is not a, not a joke of a, a situation. Exactly. And it shows like the, the impact that he's had on, on a global stage. So I want to come back a little bit to, to kind of you and your story. Um, so we've established now, and it's probably not too much of a stretch to say that Muhammad Salah indirectly has had a part to play. Oh, it, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a <laughs> doubt. So, so you're, if, if when you're at the, the pearly gates of heaven, <laughs> And God's asking Enjoy you, like, Allah. okay, you get to bring yeah. one person in with you who's It'd it be gonna
1: be. Mousala
0: <laughs> If not
1: Saudi Amani. Yeah. Saudi okay, yeah, yeah. fine.
0: If 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 Mo Salah and Saudi Amani are listening, then <laughs> they've got their free pass into heaven. No, but um I, I think that's like that's honestly remarkable. And as I said, the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you on, on this kind of uh, podcast platform is because I feel like sometimes a lot of this stuff is all we get into statistics and that Stanford University report was like statistics and whatever else. But this is like an anecdotal example. Yeah. A yeah. real life. And like, I, I wanted you to kind of talk more about your journey and experience. Because from what I've got so far of what you've said is that you've always had an interest. Firstly through a girl and then kind of being forced into looking at the Middle East and understanding <laughs> the Middle East at university. But then obviously, you know, around that, um, you've mentioned friends of yours that you've had that have also been um, Muslim and that's obviously changed your perception of what a Muslim looks like and what a Muslim is, right, countering the kind of perception you have from the media. Mm-hmm. Now, before we started recording this, we were, um, you, were you gave me some statistics, yeah. I was wondering if you could repeat those again for our <laughs> listeners.
1: So, um, don't quote me on that, um, so a study
0: by uh, have to Christopher, be
1: Okay, uh, well, no, 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 oh don't, don't
0: find the numbers now, but just
1: so that it's a, a, a study sort of indicates that, um, that the majority of the British, um, non Muslim population do not have any inter- interaction, um, with a Muslim like they're not friends, like they don't work with them, etc. And then that translated into like their Islamophobic sort of um mindsets is basically fueled and it's proven by these statistics um that it's fueled by from what they do know about Muslims is fueled by the media and and from my own personal experience that happened to me <laughs> um like whenever um, it just seemed to be and, and I remember a really poignant moment um the the Lee Rigby um murder the, the, the sense of outrage, about this, and then I think it was that same sort of year when Subway announced that they were going to um, start serving halal in their stores. And I remember, like, were you angry? I was angry. I was sharing Britain First Post saying boycott <laughs> all this, and my friends were on it as well. And, and you know, like, it's funny, really like looking back now, I, I you know I see how ridiculous that is, but. You know, but that that's that's how it was. You know, like Muslims, you know, this is Britain, this is, you know, our country, Christian country. Now I'm more educated than I do. You know, I mean, after spending 35 grand on a degree, I, I hope to be born. Like, you know, this notion of, like, what being British is yeah. has changed completely for me. You know, like, I'm born here. I've just become a Muslim. Um, it's the same for the majority of my Muslim friends. They're born here. Mm. But obviously born Muslim migrant background but who's who who isn't a migrant um or has a story of um or johnson's
0: a migrant right exactly
1: exactly and and, and what did he call people that were the nickel i just find that absolutely (laughs) ridiculous that people don't realize and and this is why i wanted to do this um research like into like countering islamophobia because it's a conversation that's got to be had and and it's so so accessible it's so um there i mean when we last spoke we spoke about andrew lebson Islamophobia—the definition—is an issue for the Foreign the Office. The Foreign Office, yes. That is absolutely appalling. One, how, what's the British population of the um, Muslim British population of Britain? I think it's about what four point eight million. It's it's the second largest faith faith group in the country. These people, Muslims, are British. Muslim Islam has is becoming British. We can't deny that, and. I think this, and and you know, tackling Islamophobia, whether you whether you because of course there's like the debate whether it, if it's racism, like it, it, you know, we can go into that. But I think that's another time. But you know, like now that like, Islamophobia affects British people, and that's the reality of it. And my but, sort of dream is to like you know, create these sort of platforms. I remember this amazing quote that you said to me: "Football or sport in general has is a great equalizer." a Great social equalizer that can um, tackle these societal wars that we have
0: because again, it's a, it's a great pun as well. Yeah, if exactly, you think about it.
1: exactly. Pitch, field, whatever but
0: equalizer, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. 90th minute Mo Salah. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 what I think is very interesting is that when, when, when we talk about being British and Britishness and identity and all of this kind of stuff, you associate it's uh, people make the association that it's. Islam or Muslims versus Britain exactly and and that's the interesting thing and, and I think also within Muslim circles You'll have Muslims that won't identify as being British despite yeah. being born here despite everything else and then but can you blame them? No, of course, of course not and and you mentioned the Lee Rigby um, killing and, and you know the, the, the killer very specifically cited something like he, he, he spoke about um, What was happening abroad foreign policy? Now, what's interesting is that the government will reject any notion of foreign policy being an issue when it comes to um, minority groups and whatever else. And they will shut down any conversation saying that people cannot be angry about foreign policy. And so the the problem is, I think, for a lot of Muslims is that when we have issues around things like foreign policy, there's there's no way of kind of airing this and and feeling British because Mm. British means, you know, Britain almost means what our governments are doing abroad and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and then yeah, you, yeah, get, you get yeah. into very uncomfortable territory talking about um, foreign policy and bombing different countries. And, and, I mean, the whole debate around arms in Saudi Arabia um, mm. and, and the British government fueling uh, the war that Saudi Arabia is imposing on Yemen yeah, yeah. Um, and and the indiscriminate killing that's going on there. We're responsible for that. Exactly. Now, do we want to be British? Do I want to say, oh, I'm British, I'm proud to be British? And I think that's the feeling that a lot of people have um, around this. So I guess what's interesting is, is you, <laughs> how, <laughs> how, as in you're, you're clearly British, um, you. <laughs> congratulations. But how do you feel? How do you reconcile this notion of now that you um, have accepted the faith of Islam being Muslim and also embracing your identity as, as being British? Like, do you, is there a conflict there? Do you feel there's a conflict?
1: Personally, I, I I like this question. It's, Thank you. It's very meaty. It's the second podcast um, that I've yeah. had someone compliment my questions. <laughs> Keep it up. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think that's a good question. Like, to me, I I, I took the Shahala. It was a very powerful moment. Um,
0: Can we talk about that moment first? Yeah. Okay. Tell me about the moment. It's, it's a good
1: story, to be fair. It's a good story. So, uh, stressing about this essay, which was about his alphobia, actually um you know like proper anxious you know heart power you know terrible terrible in sweats and everything good friend called dua hopefully she, she'll listen to this so shout out to dua um and she she's very knowledgeable like you know she has the air and like she's very kind very kind heart um muslim from saudi phd and uh she came back um to the this ict cluster which is a very dark place to study this is about two o'clock in the morning and uh you know everyone's doing their all-nighters and, and that sort of thing and she comes back with this food and um she says to me uh ben you're you're stressing why i tell her like, no, no no you're not stressing because of that you're stressing because of a deeper thing and i said what do you mean i'm stressing about this essay like no no you're stressing because you accept the truth I was like, this came out of nowhere. I mean, I mean, I've known this girl at this point for two weeks, and you know, we'd had you know conversations. Yeah, for sort of two thing. weeks. Yeah, no, at this point, yeah, no, no, no. Wow. Well, yeah, my life. Wow. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is, is you know, like it's like she knew something wasn't. I mean, obviously, I'd say it was the essay, but yeah, actually, looking back, like she was right. She said, "You want to accept Islam in your life, don't you?" Gets a bit deep. Um, and I was like, "Well, yeah, but I'm not ready for that." And she said, "No." you are. Do you accept the profit? Do you accept this? And yeah, I do. Well, let's go and do it then. So I get my coat and go outside um, opposite a pub, which was quite interesting. At 2am. At 2am in the morning and about a Wednesday, all these, um, let's say, in- intoxicated individuals <laughs> walking past, you know, you know, a white guy and um, a girl wearing hijab. Started speaking Arabic at me. I mean, imagine. Um, and, you know, I repeated those um, magical words. And after she said, a tear literally fell from her cheek. And she said, Congratulations, you're Muslim. And. How did that feel? I collapsed <laughs> onto the cold floor for about 15 minutes, uh, just with her next to me. And she's wearing very nice clothes by the way so you know um they got a bit dirty i think it was a bit
0: of a dirty uh, so you anyway. you were just kind of sat or lying I, I was i
1: I think i was prepared for this because i was wearing like crappy um like joggers and that <laughs> so maybe i knew that this was going to happen that i was going to sit on the dirty floor for a bucket but you know it was like you know i was looking at the at the sky and you know like the, the, this whole worry I, I can't express i mean people have told me about this before like people that have converted before like it's like you know you, you you're cleansed like you know a whole weight has been lifted off your shoulders and i thought yeah right yeah a bit skeptical but no like, it's true um and you know like i say a good 15 minutes opposite a pub just thinking about what happened and
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful juxtaposition uh, yeah, right? yeah yeah
1: yeah um,
0: <laughs>
1: but you know going from there like it, it, I can't call myself like, I'm obviously still learning I mean that was only about five weeks ago <laughs> um, but you, it, it's a deeper sort of thing for me because you know being in final year like I did feel the pressure and you know it was hard it was hard and you know I really wanted to do well in this in this research you know yeah do your interview justice, never mind anything else. And, you know, for all of a sudden to have this thing, just, I can't explain it, you know. It's amazing how people have taken it, to be honest. Um, the odd joke. Um, we can probably work out what they're about. <laughs> uh, that was one of the first reactions, but, you I, know.
0: I think, sorry to, to cut you off, like what was interesting when we when we met the first time um before you were muslim we had we had a conversation after recording the interview yeah, for your for your study um for your dissertation and i i felt like you were i think i told you this like you we, we i messaged you way. afterwards and i yeah. i felt like you, you were on the journey on the path kind of like you were there or thereabouts but uh, like it didn't surprise me when you, to- wait, it surprised me because it was out of the blue and you're like, oh, yeah. by the way, I'm now Muslim. I was like, okay, assalamu alaikum, welcome, welcome to the team. Oh, <laughs> this new lingo can be no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you started dropping inshallah and <laughs> yeah. alhamdulillah, I was like, okay, guys, guys loving it. Um, but it's, it's, it's funny because I've I've met so many people um, over the years and, and, and some people you just kind of, you know, they're on a, they're on a journey of some sort mm. um, and and you were clearly kind of, on that Um, and it's it's probably too soon um, to get your kind of feedback on on being a Muslim and I think when I say feedback I don't mean your spiritual connection with God but more like the community like we've we've recently started uh, a mini kind of documentary series um, on the Muslim vibe looking at kind of the revert struggle Um, so the first one was an interview with a with a Scottish revert sister who wears the niqab um, talking about her experience Mm. and I feel like a large part of it is unfortunately, and there's something that I spoke about um, when, when we spoke last about like the kind of ethnocentricity of our center. Of course, yeah, yeah. You know, you have your Pakistani center, your Arab center, your uh, Iranian center, your Lebanese center, whatever it might be. And we're all clustered in that way. So, where does a British guy from the Midlands <laughs> fit into that?
1: Well, and, yeah. <laughs> no, but
0: the thing, I, I, think, I think this is a discussion that we can have later on, once you've kind of experienced it, but I, I feel like this is probably the failings and, and I'm hoping you know, for the people listening who kind of um, are born Muslims, I feel like we all need to kind of check ourselves and think about whether our community, whether we as individuals are embracing and, and encouraging of people from different backgrounds when they come to, if they come to our centres, or do we just ask them, oh, so are you Muslim? How long have you been Muslim? How did you convert? Okay, cool, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we need to have deeper conversations. Um, yeah. We need to, like, acknowledge people as as beyond just these, like, tokenistic individuals. And I'm sure I've, I've probably ranted about this on this pod. I mean, this is, like, almost our 60th episode. I've, I'm sure this has come up before. Um <laughs> But yeah I, I just thought like given where you're at in 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 time right now, <laughs> it's a very interesting one because it's everything is so fresh um, and and you're still riding the euphoria wave um, oh, I'm yeah. guessing <laughs> it, I, it must it, I mean I can't imagine what the feeling is like but as I said like you you this has clearly been something in your life for quite a long time and you've you've now finally made that jump.
1: Yeah, that, that that that's how that, I think that's the best way to describe it. Uh, I mean, my friend said it's like describing honey to someone who's never tried honey before. You can say how great it is, but until you've actually tried it, you know themselves like mm. they, they they don't know you know the level that we're at. I I I just I, I just I I feel that this was something that I've wanted to do for a long time. But yeah, you are scared. I mean, sort of going back to the question that you put to me before, like, you know, balancing Britishness and all, all this sort of thing.
0: Oh, yeah, you didn't answer that, did you? Yeah, no, I didn't know. Um, <laughs> I always it's, do, it's, it's, I ask it's... questions, I, question, <laughs> I get lost. Well,
1: it's given me some time. <laughs> That's good. I mean, like, to me, and like with the study that I've done, like when, you know, like, Islamophobia, like it is a form of cultural racism. It, 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 it transcends like skin, everything. If you're Muslim, like it, it is a form of racism um and i feel that i will um experience that at some point in my life
0: well um, you already have to an extent right the, the jokes that you've you faced yeah with you, yeah that isn't actually
1: one. yeah that's a good point in fact I, I remember um i was going to a football match and i asked my friend um you know just out of the blue like oh, what do you think of Sharia law and everything or like what do you think of muslims and that sort of things like, oh yeah not got no got a problem and all this um so I turned, you know, went on a bit of a tirade about how backward Sharia law is. Um, I actually asked him, "Well, well, what is it?" He couldn't answer me. Um, he didn't know anything about it, which was quite interesting. Mm. Uh, again, like reiterating, um, reiterating the the headlines, really slogans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without, yeah, I mean, it's quite easy. Oh, Sharia Sharia zones in London. I mean, that was a big Muslim one,
0: no-go zones. Exactly,
1: exactly. Big exactly it's funny because that's what my uncle talks about so you know you know even, even with my family i mean i know that they want me to do whatever makes me happy and you know i'm hoping that it will make me a good, better person because now you know i i don't judge anyone anymore or try not to uh you know i try and do my best by people you know just being a good you know trying to have a good heart and like you know talking to people um Doing right by people, I think to me that that's you know that's a big thing that drew me to Islam anyway. Um, but to me, like, it, there's no real difference about being a Muslim, being British. In fact, it's the same thing. To be honest, you know, we're all born, aren't we? We, we all have two eyes. We all have a heart. When we're born, I I always believe this: we only know love, the love of our mothers, and like it's the next few years that determine whether who we hate or who we don't like or who we love or whatever. But you mm. know. And, you know, we all had these universal values about, you know, being kind. You know, if you're not going to hit me, are you? That's bad, killing, that sort of thing. And that's what Islam teaches. And the thing is, what's funny is that people say, in fact, my ex-girlfriend t- said this, is that this, like, Islam is not my culture. She's a Catholic. Where did Catholicism and Christianity originate from? The same area, the same lands as Islam. Same
0: this part is, of the world.
1: Same part of the world. Yeah. It's only because is you know... Muslim... We've
0: anglicised. We've anglicised it. This Do you is a know thing. what
1: beautiful? Yeah, uh,
0: that that that, that, so that is a
1: thing. But I, I generally think, and like with the fantastic platform that you've got, with Thank the Muslim you vibe, like <laughs> keep these <keep> coming, man. <laughs> I've here all week. Um, <laughs> like you know, you facilitating a conversation about you know British identity, British Muslim identity is is, is very sort of you know it's, it's a big conversation that needs to be had. You know this idea of west you know muslims saying i'm anti-west well, no, well why you know i can understand from my personally foreign policy i think it's tragic and the government really needs to look at who they're representing now you know we're we are a multi-faith a multicultural multi-ethnic whatever whatever multi
0: we are you wouldn't think it looking at RMPs exactly
1: and that's a problem that needs to be discussed. Um how can how can they we claim to be a democracy when you know things like i mean we trace back you know all these events like i mean i'm never con- condemning you know uh, terrorist attacks but you mean condoning condoning well, yeah i, always, <laughs> I am dyslexic by the way guys so sorry uh but like i can understand where obviously the killing no but i can understand like why they are sort of you know, having these sort of ideas that, I mean, if you look at the majority of them, why they go to... um,
0: But that's the thing, it's it's born purely out of frustration. Yeah, exactly. Because of a lack of representation, because of a marginalization, because of the socioeconomic um, background that these individuals come from, because of the suppression of their people.
1: I'll give you a stat, right? I love stats. 72% of Muslims that apply for a, um, like a bed share, get rejected if their name is Muhammad. Compared to, I think twenty or thirty percent. If their name but, is, but, Adam. I mean, this is
0: also why I remember the BBC did a piece recently on, or not recently, a while back on having uh, blind application name blind yeah, yeah, application yeah, yeah. forms. Because what was happening is that people who are Muslim were faring worse off. People who are women as well, and then also uh, Muslim women, and, and I, there were loads of minority subsects that were finding it increasingly difficult to get jobs just because of that. Yeah, yeah, and so so. Whether we like it intentionally or not, um, it's it's happening in our society, yeah. Um, and and that's the problem. And, and it comes down, in my opinion, and I, I feel like I always say this, but the, the, you know the the media has a large part to play in this. And and this almost brings us full circle back. And probably we should end somewhere here, to, to someone like Muhammad Salah. Yeah,
1: and, 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 and
0: uh, positive portrayals of Muslims, exactly. Posit- you know, just just a Muslim doing good. And, and that being seen and being visible is, is so important.
1: I think the best thing is, is is I think if you ask any non-British Muslim when they think of, you know, Muhammad, you know, what are they going to say? They're probably going to say something negative. I think now we have Muhammad Salah. And I generally feel, I'm very passionate about this. I generally feel he's had this big impact that now that sort of association is, oh no, yeah, that Muslim. Yeah, he's Muslim, isn't he? He's not blowing someone up. He's not got an AK-47 or mm. something. no he is providing miracles on the pitch i mean if liverpool win the premier league next season wow he will be thrusted but it's
0: not not if he goes to real madrid that you know No, season well well, well. <laughs> but the thing
1: is is that like it's about like making people think twice about you know about muslims like you know questioning what they yeah. see in the media
0: i i think what's really interesting that's come out of this conversation is is also your almost former attitude towards Muslims and towards Islam. Like you, you've you said that you've had Islamophobic attitudes in the past, but that's been mm. born purely out of ignorance and and, yeah. and because of what you've seen um, and, and what the portrayal has kind of been. And and again, like your journey towards Islam, most Salah to one side, has almost been because of that kind of normalization of Muslims and, and you know, meeting Muslims along the way and, and i guess being exposed to uh muslim culture islam the religion the region generally in like a it, in, in yeah, an exactly. academic way in, in yeah, a proper yeah, yeah, way yeah, for yeah. what it is
1: but what's interesting is is that it it became clear to me that it wasn't an alien culture <laughs> you know yeah like from the middle east um i had no idea that um you know the reasons why we have computers the early um you know constitutional rights derived from islam i had no idea and i don't understand i still don't understand to this day why isn't that general knowledge for i mean how many people do would you say now actually know that who are non-muslim or even or even muslims in some cases i i think a lot of this
0: stuff is an inconvenient truth like it, it doesn't it doesn't fit the narrative therefore why would this be uh widely consumable widely accessible information not to say that people are suppressing it in that sense, but when it comes to talking about Muslims, it's a lot easier to talk about rape gangs, no-go zones, all of these kinds of things because they fit the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, um, that's what Mausala has done, is, is break that narrative and break it in a very uh, indirect way. Because yeah, he, yeah. he hasn't come in and said, oh, no, look, I'm not part of a rape gang. I, I'm not, you know... <laughs> He's just gone and done well and been Muslim, and I, I think, like you, you mentioned it in passing, but for me, the strongest thing that he's done is is the fact that he prost- prostrates after every goal. Um, and conspiracy theory on my side, but I feel like the cameras cut. <laughs> the cameras do cut yeah. away. They, uh, that I, I, that Muslim, I have noticed. That, now that yeah. you're Muslim, you'll see even more, and it will yeah, annoy yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> ten times more. But the cameras cut away often when he when he prostrates. But that is a, that's a story for another time. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that he's kind of consistently doing that his name is Muhammad um, it has even even if it's only had an impact towards Liverpool fans which has kind of been you know academically statistically proven Mm -hmm. I think that's remarkable
1: yeah and 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 I think you know with my own research I mean hopefully you'll Leave a link for the documentary yeah, <laughs> <no>. it <laughs> when well, it's published. Um, hopefully this week um, is that you know the people that I did interview yourself included that I did get that sense of like even though it's not because you even said yourself that you know it's not gonna it's not that the um, you know how would we say
0: was uh, that mem- memorable quote.
1: Yeah, I know, this is really bad. But like, it's, it's not... it's not I said per- something profound. Yeah, yeah, you said something incredible. <laughs> like, it's not utopian. Like, we can't, like, look, oh, yeah, Muhammad Salah this is, is gonna, yeah, This isn't it. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's still more to be said. There's still more to be done. As the uh, imam said to me, uh, you know, it's going to take more than a couple of, you know, Muslim players to, you know, but it's a start. Yeah. And I fully believe that. But also just, you know, just speaking to people how... Even if they don't agree with me, like admitting that, yeah, this 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 is a good thing, you know, non-Muslims and Muslims, um, this sort of exposure to Muslimness being sort of converted from being something seen as negative to being something seen as positive. Like now, we hope yeah. that the subdued prostration, whatever, will be you know associated with something good, and even even if it's not a question of you know like people like me that might convert because of this sort of thing. But, um, you know, a conversation, again, like what we said before about realizing, well, okay, well, not all Muslims are like, even if they don't want to, you know, learn more about Islam, but realizing, well, yeah, okay, not all Muslims are like this, you know, realize, I mean, back to Britishness, like Muslims were invited over as citizens of Britain um, after the Second World War. And then, what in the nineteen sixties, seventies, when they started being, you know, they started having children here, and started demanding the same rights yeah. as um, your normal, whatever, Brit, however, you, however you want to say. All of a sudden, it became a problem. Mm. I, I, I think, um, like you said, you know, the narrative it, it suits, it suits. I think at times when, and, and with Muhammad Salah, I mean, I dread to think what the Islamophobes are thinking. Same with Macdi Hassan, you know, a great journalist interviewing so many. And again, like it's not just about football, is it? Like it's about, as you said to me, positive Muslim role models, but not just for Muslims. But you know, there's a there's a good article uh, by Said and Kildington, 2012. It's good one. it's about why aren't there Asian Muslims in football? Check it out. And they we're, said we're not
0: very good at football. That's why. Really? No. No, I'm telling you. Genetically, sure. genetically we're not engineered no yet. no don't say this don't <laughs> I'm, say I'm this joking, I'm, joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are well listen Ben I, I think um we've we have spoken at length today and in the past and and I'm sure we can continue to do this for a long time yeah um but uh, I, this has been I think a very interesting kind of insight into your experience um and as I said, like I, I just in, in conversation with you and speaking to you previously, I just thought it'd be worth to kind of try and, I don't know if chronicalise is, is the right word, but like, you know, try and take a snapshot of where you're at today and your experiences. Yeah. And as I said, the th- whole Muslim experience is very new to you. Yeah. Um, so it would be interesting, if not on a podcast level or on a personal level, just yeah. to kind of hear once you've had a few months at it um what what the experience has been um with the community and with with observing your religion and potentially family and all that kind of stuff because i know i think that's something that, that people often uh don't consider mm. that like fine you've embraced the faith wholeheartedly you're in there but now you've got to kind of break the news to your parents you've got to break the news to your uncles aunts grandparents yeah. who who probably won't have a favorable view of your decision I-
1: tell you now they won't
0: <laughs> uh, no and and, and and that's the thing and like you know i i can only pray that that god i guess gives you patience and gives them patience and and that you're able to kind of persevere and get through it um thank you. inshallah it goes well but thank you very much for, for being so kind of open and honest with us no, thank you for um, having me. and that i hope a... you've enjoyed this i oh, loved
1: it I, the i mean just in this office it's brilliant you're just loving the mic, yeah, aren't yeah. you?
0: I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> it's gold. It's gold, yeah. <laughs> not, not real gold, it comes to the Muslim Vibe office. But um, no, thank you very much. And and uh, Inshallah, all the best. Yeah, thank you. So that was my conversation with Ben. Um, I think what stood out to me the most about everything that he said is, is just that fact about the impact that muhammad salah has had it's almost it's almost ludicrous and and laughable um, in in just how kind of uh, amazing it is that you know through his kind of independent study and research and you know university work and looking at the impact that muhammad salah has had um, it kind of drew him closer towards islam he was Already, you know, on a journey through individuals that he met and everyone else, but the tipping point for him, I would say, um, as I've kind of um, come to to learn, was Muhammad Salah, um, and that in itself is just staggering. Uh, it really, really is, um, and yeah, I mean, I'm I've never been prouder <laughs> to be a Liverpool fan, I guess. Um, but no. So on a serious note, um, you know, genuinely wish um, Ben all the best on the kind of his his journey um, in Islam, and I think it's going to be interesting also to kind of see how he does and gets by and and kind of finds his feet, I guess, as a new Muslim who is you know British and uh, quite noticeably so, almost you know like very um essentially not brown bearded looking uh if that makes sense um but yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting journey and i think you know we we wish him all the best um that's that's everything for this week's podcast uh just a very quick note um we as in the muslim vibe um are a not for profit organization um, and are dependent on donations um, and advertising to kind of sustain what we're doing and also to grow. Right now, alhamdulillah, the project is sustainable, but we'd very much like to grow our capacity, grow our team, produce more great quality content and even better quality, in fact. Um, But there is obviously financial implications to that. So what would be absolutely incredible is that if those of you listening today um, would, well, enjoy obviously what you're, what you're listening to, but if you'd be willing to support the Muslim vibe, um, even as little as, as five, ten pound a month, or if it's just a one-off amount, whatever it might be, um, it would genuinely go a very long way to kind of supporting the work that we do um, and would be very much appreciated. Um, you can do this at com forward slash support um, and if you're unable to do that then a very simple five star rating on this podcast as well as uh, a lovely review would be very much appreciated wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh